Hello and welcome to Spoilerama and the final part of our series on Tommy Wiseau's The Room and the recent visit to Dublin by Greg Sestero. In this episode we have a Q&A with Greg that was held in Filmbase at an event organised by Voices on Film and hosted by director John Carney. It's so amazing to see so many people here because I've been talking about the room for uh, so many years in Ireland and, and, and sort of, you know, it comes up in so many different conversations. And, uh, and uh, there's still in Ireland, I have to admit, it's brilliant to see everybody out, but there's still a lot of people who are like, what's, is that the Lenny, Lenny Abrams film? How do you mean that's a great movie? And you're like, no, the, the room, not just room. And uh, so, so, so I then always tell sort of my own personal story, which I mentioned to you earlier on of sort of how I, how I sort of came across it, because I had a weird uh, journey to the room. Uh, which we is all, that I- We all have, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm no different there, but, but, but I was I, in Los Angeles trying to become a filmmaker, um, and half the fun of being there in that capacity is, you know, you're driving down Sunset Boulevard and there's these great posters of Tom Cruise and, <laughs> you know, amazingly beautiful actors, and, you know, and you can see the, just the money dripping off these great big billboards. And then when you're in L.A., if you, if you get an agent, you, you get driven around by, like, an intern who has his own car. So you're, like, generally being driven by, like, a wannabe producer or a lawyer or an actor. Yeah. Like, usually an incredibly good-looking driver who's, like, 17 years old. And I'd be like, and just coming over the hill, and I remember distinctly after all those images of now legendary huge movies, was, was this poster that, that Tom, I think Tommy paid for it to go up, right? For five years, yep. <laughs> It's such a great story. So he just bought this piece of sort of real estate, if you like, and paid for it by the day, which is a huge amount of money. Yeah, you could, could have bought your own island for how much money he spent on that billboard. Right. <laughs> and people would just uh, drive by it and be like, what in the hell is that? Thing? And this is me. Yeah. So I'm an Irish guy in L.A. going Tom Cruise. That looks brilliant. What the hell? <laughs> uh, but the interns were hip. hip. Yeah. So you get guys who are like, oh, dude, if there's one film you see in L.A., you have to see Tommy Weasel's Room. <laughs> And I did, and I don't think I've been the same filmmaker ever since. Because <laughs> it's like, uh, I mean, no, I, I don't want to talk about me, but just to give you some idea of sort of, and there's probably lots of filmmakers in the audience as well. It's sort of, it's so interesting to me because it's, uh, I've made lots of bad films. And, as, and, and I was at the same sort of time that this was being made. You had crappy, you didn't have great machinery. You were shooting on video. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like you didn't have the Canon 5D with nice depth of field. You shot on video and it was early HD on tape and just you couldn't yeah, make it look good. Yeah. And everything looked like pornography. And uh, nothing matched. You couldn't color correct it properly. And uh, my first efforts are, are, are uh, bad in a totally different way than this is bad. And I think a lot of filmmakers probably, the last thing they ever want to be seen is those early films where you're actually learning you know, if you didn't go to school, I presume Tommy didn't go to school. No, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> you're kind of learning as you make the film. And then people, rarely, rarely do you, you know, you're, if you're a, a draftsman, you're drawing and you're throwing things out. Nobody gets to, you know, hopefully. Yeah. Get, and you, then you produce something that you're proud of. With film, it's like you're learning and people are laughing at your footage. And you're like, no, no, I'm learning how to direct an actor right there. But somehow... The, the room, as you guys can all obviously agree, it's so entertaining. 
And it's so, it does what so few films actually really do, which is that it, uh, he's really sincere about what he's doing. Uh, and I'd just like to ask you, just as an actor, so you're, you're a, what, at the time, 19-year-old actor in L.A. Uh, yeah, I take an acting class in San Francisco, and everyone's serious, and this guy walks out, stumbles onto the stage, and just starts performing this Shakespearean sonnet, and everybody just starts biting their hands to pull back from laughing. And I sat forward in my seat, and I was like, There's, is this guy for real? Like, is this a joke, or... Is you know is he actually brilliant? So while everybody was kind of you know horrified and laughing, I was like I gotta I gotta find out at least who this guy is. And so I just approached him you know to do a scene together, and he just looks at me and goes, Well, I don't know about you. <laughs> and you know he told me to meet him at a bank in San Francisco. <laughs> He just said, you know, don't be late, okay? <laughs> and so he shows up 30 minutes late. Uh, and I'm like, what kind of car is this guy going to drive? You know, like an ice cream truck? Or like <laughs> he shows up in a Mercedes. We end up playing soccer in a park. And, um, you know, the rest is, the rest is history. Great. That's a great impersonation. I you know. So in a sense, what I really love about the story as well is your loyalty to him and the fact that you have sort of, um, uh, it's a very sort of affectionate thing, you know, and I mean that in, in, in the way it should be between a director and his, his sort of, because um, in a sense you're the leading man, I like to think, in a way. The Tommy's the sort of the, he's such an unknown character. Yeah. It's such a mystery to me still, and I still like, I've seen that film like 15 times, <laughs> and I'm none the wiser about the, the plot or how it works. And, I, I feel kind of the same. I mean, you could, and, and it, yeah, and she's right, she's the actress who, with the cancer line, I love that she, asks him a bunch of times, like, does this pay off? And, and then he says, I don't know, you decide. But then when she misses the line, he really, miss, he really misses it. That's kind of, it's kind kind of, of fascinating. Kind of interesting, yeah. It's like he doesn't know his own story, but then just certain bits he remembers. Yeah. And what, what do you think that means? Like, why, why do you think he was so strict? He, he, he almost says, well, it's in the script, like he didn't write the script. Like it yeah. was a thing from God or something. <laughs> I think it was definitely a divine intervention. But uh, yeah, it's, I, I think this was taken right out of his life. I think he I literally think really went through this word, word by word. And I think there was a woman, mm. a mother-in-law or someone that had breast cancer mm. and just said these things about people in her life. And he just, I think, wrote them down verbatim. Because when we were friends, he would always say to me, you know, don't plan too much, you may not come out right. <laughs> and so he speaks with Denny the way he, we spoke when we were roommates, and then he's like, I'm paying for Denny's place, and that's kind of like how... Okay. So I think it's that's just... Really it, it's really a, a glimpse into his mind yeah. thrown in with, like, Streetcar Named Desire and some 50s films, and then just, like, exploded. But I think that's a really good point, and I'm kind of grateful to hear that in a sense, because that... That, that's the ultimate feeling, even though we're all laughing at and with the movie. and it, it, I think you do get a window into his... I genuinely do. And I think that's why we're all here. And there's so many bad films made, my, my, many of mine included, that you just know that people are not congregating in rooms, you know, 6,000 miles from where they were made. And I, I do think, and I'm not kind of like looking for some theory, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think that... There's a wound about him that, that most directors try to hide, particularly in L.A. and particularly at that time, everybody's very sort of 
He yeah. shows this sort of side to him. And I, I kind of think inadvertently that's sort of why we're here. Yeah, there's yeah. this like message of like pain and, and it, it's, it's almost like the film is a cry out for help in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Someone's really trying to be understood because for so long before I met him, he had tried to be an actor and mm -hmm. he had never gotten anything. And I think he just reached a breaking point mm -hmm. and the room was his breaking point of like his message to the world. Yeah, I feel when the character is, when, when he's breaking the shit up at the end, I feel emotional about that. Oh yeah, it's it's yeah. Uh, it's kind of hard to watch, but at the same time, you know, nobody in the history of cinema would hump a red dress. <laughs> and, and that to me signifies the whole thing. It's like he's willing to go somewhere in his mind, like almost like we would as a child, and just go there and say, forget it, I'm just going to do exactly what I'm feeling right now. And, yeah. And, Nobody would okay that, especially if like you had investors for a film who were like, no way, that's not going in because then people would be horrified. Right. But he just said, I'm going to do it. And, I'm, and the editor mm -hmm. even suggested, cut this scene out. You know, when you're in the alley, it doesn't move the plot forward. And he's like, no, I look like a little kid. <laughs> so we keep it. And I'm and, all right. You know, so it just, he, every decision he made, you know, you could say was the wrong one, but it ended up, you know, it ended up yeah. It's interesting. It's the kind of the wrong, wrong. It's the it's the right. It's the wrong decision for the right reasons yeah, that yeah. he feels those reasons. So, so can we talk very briefly about the? Um, so then you wrote the book, which then got picked up by, by uh, the guys, the, uh, the famous movie star people that you all know. Um, and did Seth Rogen have some involvement in? Yeah, did he, he optioned it. He produced the film and he also acted and co-starred in it. In America, we give a round of applause to somebody who wrote the book. I think that's, that, that's a testament to you, and it's a brilliant story that you act in the movie, you tour with the movie, you write a book about your experience of the movie that works, I think, on so many levels. It's not a patronizing thing in hindsight. It's a really, it's, it's a lovely piece of work. And, and I think that those guys, they're, uh, you know, uh, Franco and Seth Rogen, pick up on that, I think, is a testament to your writing and also to your choice of co-author as well, who's obviously studied the movie yeah. In a really unique, uh, in a really, really refreshing way, in a Harper's uh, piece about the film, which is like 12 pages long, mm. really in-depth, and, and goes to such lengths to try and understand the film as a piece of yeah. art. Yeah, he, you know, he took the film seriously and tried to take Thomas right. seriously. And yeah. there's something about that that's a lot more vibrant than just like, oh, you know, look at this crappy movie. That's a really good point. I get a thing a lot, and, and again, you'll know this as an actor, there's an expression in the edit suite among mainly producers, which is, I'm, this isn't really landing. And it's just drawn out, and it's just constant. Oh, this is a bit bumpy, this scene. It doesn't really land. And it's kind of a really past shorthand way of saying, cut it out, yeah. let's get on with it. And nothing in this film lands. No. Not a, not a it, one it, thing it lands. It crashes. It, everything <laughs> crashes and bursts. But, 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 but there's brilliant, I love the fact that he just said leave that scene in because I, what I look like. I look like a 16 year old kid. <laughs> That's great. I love it. And so what age is <laughs> I think he's like, um, what age did he say? 147. <laughs> uh, 38 or 35, I think. 35. That is a brilliant age for him. But, uh, I love that age. When I met him, he said he was 28 and that was almost 20 years ago. <laughs> so, uh, he's doing something right, whatever it is. That's great. Fantastic. And um, so, so presumably you've seen, do you see, um, I mean, it must be interesting to have a film that you're in 
be, be then affectionately uh, not just referenced in a film, but for, for, for in, in, in the sense that, you know, Ed Wood is long gone by the time Tim Burton makes his mm. movie about Plan 9. Have you all seen that movie? Um, what is that like to, to have a film in your lifetime while you're still working as an actor, and obviously you're, you're working lots of different things, to have a movie in which uh, James Franco's brother is playing you in... Presumably, I haven't seen the movie yet, but I presume it's um, not a piss take. Like a clear, it's an affectionate yeah, attempt yeah, to understand the, the film itself, definitely. right? Yeah. How um, does that feel? I saw a cut of the film this summer, and it was, um, it was fantastic. I think you guys are in for a real treat. Uh, one thing I loved about James's performance is he never broke character as Tommy the entire time. When he was on set, he had the face on, the hair. He was directing as Tommy, talking like Tommy. So when I was hanging out on set, it was like this kind of funny moment because it's James, but it's Tommy. So I have like this kind of like, hey, remember this? You know, it was, it was really great. And then... Um, the film itself has the cast is great. It's got a little bit of like a, a boogie nights type journey to it, and um, it was weird because I, when I was writing the book, I was always picturing it as a film. I, I was seeing mm. it as like this generation's Ed Wood. So I would see the characters, yeah. and when I was writing the book, I kind of saw Javier Bardem as Tommy. <laughs> um, so that's who I was thinking of my mind. And so uh, when they ended up making it a film. It was something I was prepared for, but watching it come alive on screen was, it was really therapeutic in a way because you have all these odd experiences that you went through and they live in your mind and then you get to watch them played out in a different dimension and it's almost like they're not yours anymore. You know, mm. they're, they're in a different time and now they're recreated in the same places you lived. Um, and so it's almost like you're free of those. They're not, they're not yours anymore and you're able to have a clean slate and kind of start over, except when the room plays, you got to relive that again. But um, it, was, it was really therapeutic. In a lot mm. of ways. That strikes me as sort of fascinating because part part of the, you know, the reason that the I'm intrigued to see the film. Part part of the Ed Wood film works because it's Martin Landau playing Bela Lugosi. Nobody's there to contradict True, yeah. what how this went down, and it's a very ambitious thing. And I kind of think it's Tim Burton's kind of best film in a sense. It's it's a very yeah, yeah, emotional film. Yeah. And I think Johnny Depp is amazing, and it's sort of, it's him doing something more ambitious, I think, than he sort of generally does. Um, but it must be strange to, to, to be alive, <laughs> for want of a yeah, better word. Yeah, in the thick of, like, yeah, of, in your the own thick career of the phenomenon, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's not what I, it's not the journey I expected, but it's definitely, it's yeah. definitely interesting. And, 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 and people are constantly asking for a sequel, I presume, as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think is uh is, would Tommy's response to that be? You know, we're happy where we are. <laughs> we, but you know, we may do it. We may not. Oh man! I mean, the point, the really interesting thing, is uh, that I think you get loads of money to make a sequel to it. With you know. I'm constantly trying to raise money for films and pitching things that don't work and telling producers why things are great. So it seems to me like a sequel for The Room is, is a no-brainer to producers that I know and finances. I'll give you a bunch of numbers, actually. Um, I mean, did anybody want to ask any questions? How are we doing for time? Well, right? fine. Do the acting in a bit. Please. Okay, acting in a bit. But, but, but will I open it up? And we'll, yes, I'm sure you, you guys have, have come with lots of questions. And... Uh, 
Okay, I'll try and do this. Um, so go ahead. Uh, you said you an enduring friendship with Tommy. A what? An enduring friendship. Enduring friendship, yeah. When you get together, what do you do? <laughs> Believe it or not, we do. Uh, we play more basketball now than football. Um, it's kind of the same dynamic, but you know, it's good, good stuff. <laughs> that is a classic. I, uh, he he shoots. You know, he has a basketball up actually that he hangs up in his tree. <laughs> which so I'm kind of having to shoot over branches, but uh, you know, it's, it still works. Uh, no, he prefers the green screen. <laughs> so what is the green screen? So is the, in a green, the green screen thing presumably is kind of what I was talking about earlier, where he could shoot in any rooftop. Yeah. But he chooses to use green screen because he's learning something? Well, well that's actually a good point, because back then, green screen at that time was kind of like new and dynamic. Yeah. So he thought if he did the green screen angle, it, it had like a special effect. The room could kind of claim that it's... Avant-garde. <laughs> the only thing is when you actually have to recreate San Francisco, it starts looking like space or Istanbul or something, so yeah. didn't really cut it. And, and I have to say the green screen is extremely close to the actor, so when you key out the green, there's still a green <laughs> hue, because they couldn't bring the green screen far enough away. Uh, who else had their hand up? Yeah, go ahead. So you write about this a little bit in the book, but have you learned any more about his background and how he actually like, got the money to finance? The money part is still really fascinating because uh, somebody, when they read the book, started digging even deeper into Tommy's background, and there was more stuff that was found out that I felt like gave a few answers, but then confused me even more. <laughs> and this is somebody, I've, like I said, I've known for almost 20 years, so I feel like every time I get an answer, it opens up like four questions. <laughs> so I just keep, keep going into debt into finding out who Tommy is. So it's kind of, it's part of the magic though, is not really knowing everything. It's the twist. Uh, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, I read the book and it doesn't paint him in the nicest light. At any point when you were writing the book, you're like, should I be doing this? Is this going to upset him? Is this going to end our friendship? No, I mean, I interviewed him while I was doing the book. And um, most of his story is stuff that he it came, you know, came from him. Uh, you know, he likes the book. He calls it the Red Bible. <laughs> the stuff, and he said he approves 40 to 50 percent. So, I guess I don't know what that means, but I guess. <laughs> it's, it's so you guys are still friends then? Yeah, I think the stuff that that he he wasn't particularly fond of is about the making of the film because he believes that the the room is, you know the greatest movie, and, and, and you know, in a lot of ways he's, he's right, but um, yeah, I mean, I think the book was, um, you know, what he did was heroic, and I think you can't see the journey he went on if I wasn't honest about what I was going through at that time, because then I think you, you paint a picture of somebody, I don't think the audience, the audience when they sees the film knows that there's something going on, something's off, yeah. and so if I kind of paint it as like this perfect journey, or, or in, a, in a light, that makes him not true to him, then I think you lose the power of the ending, you know. And so that, that was my goal, was juggling, sharing my frustrations and sharing my um, admiration for a lot of stuff that he did. Hmm, it's really interesting. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Where is he from? <laughs> I think it's um, somewhere between Transylvania and Mars. <laughs> Uh, do you see anybody that you, uh... uh, uh yeah, what do you think of this, uh, recent, uh, movies that are made purposely to be bad, such as, uh, like, Sharknado? Um, 
You know, I didn't even know there was a market for like bad movies until this. Um, I just figured you'd try to make good films. But um, yeah. no, I think it's the passion auteur projects that really work as bad films. I think as you, when you bring a group together and they try to make something campy, I don't think beyond, you know, because I, I, I didn't even get through Sharknado. You know, a few moments made me laugh, but I'm like, these are actors that have done bigger projects and you know they're kind of in on the joke, so it's not, and it doesn't work the same for me. Mm. What, did you like it? Um, <laughs> I mean, something about the room from the second, I mean, at the premiere of the room, you know, I'd shown it to my family and we had laughed, you know, we got it, this thing is completely, completely off the wall, but when I was sitting there with an audience that was expecting to see the next streetcar named Desire, and the second Tommy opens the door, these like muffled laughs start coming out. And I'm just going, uh-oh, what's gonna happen when the sex scene comes on? Which the, 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 the first or the second time? Well the, well, the first Tommy one comes on, and I'm like, oh crap, now it's gonna be me up there on the staircase, I gotta get out of here. And so I, I walked out and hung out in the lobby, and then these people started filing out, and the look on their face was, something I'll never forget, and this dude, this dude looks at his friend, and he's like, man, I'll, I'll never get hard again. You know, you know there's something startlingly obvious, which has been in sort of in plain view, and I've never thought of until you just mentioned it there, and it's so obvious I can't believe I missed it before. And you said people coming out of the cinema, producers. So they try to put on a bad show in the producers. Yeah. Everybody's seen the producers. And it backfires because people do leave initially and they don't get it. And then they start to go, hang on a second, this is unintentionally incredibly funny. <laughs> and it becomes a hit and it thwarts the plans of the, the two producers who were right, trying to make a bomb or make a flop. Uh, it's alarmingly similar. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's what he was doing. And he <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's, a lot of times people ask, like, come on, this is performance art. Like, he gets it. And I was like, no. He has stayed true that he believes this is the greatest film, and he will argue that. And, and, yet, and yet he was... Yet, yet, and it's, again, slightly childish, but kind of inspired, to go, oh, you're laughing? Yeah, because I wanted you to laugh. Yeah, there That's was an a, amazing response. Yeah, that was... I mean, within a week... <laughs> <laughs> When I was roommates with Tommy, that's what I'd come home and see. <laughs> yeah, within a week, the trailer had tacked on and experienced this quirky new dark comedy. Brilliant. So, I mean, that was like a quick improv right there. But that's kind of like, you know, the studio that pays for the film and it's, it's ter and they change the poster or they, you know, try to market it in a different way and say, oh, we always sort of intended that. Mm. But I, 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 I think it's, it's such a great line for him to to rethink it, and it almost, I mean, I think it is childish and it is innocent to do that, and it is uh, odd, but it's kind of, it is like a child painting a painting, you know, and, you say, and, it, and your mom comes in and says, oh, that's a nice banana, and you go, banana? That was a Christmas tree. <laughs> yeah, it's a banana, you know, or there's, a, there's an yeah. endearing nature to that, I think. Yeah, you know? he just wants acceptance in, in any way possible. You know? Yeah, and I think another thing, I mean, uh, is, is that there's, there's a, uh, no, we'll get into that in a second, actually, because you're going to show something in a second. Just ask a few more questions, then we'll do some acting. Yeah, go ahead. Um, you mentioned in your mind's eye, when you're writing the book, that it would kind of look like a movie. Did you consider making a screenplay instead of a book? 
Um, I thought with the book, there's a lot more you could share and get across. You know, there's a lot of internal thoughts I had that in a screenplay would be more difficult. And I, and I had, you know, not really that much experience doing a screenplay. So I thought, you know, my goal with it was to make it more of a nonfiction novel. Um, and so I felt like there was more liberties I could take if I did, if I wrote a book instead of a screenplay. Hmm. Uh, yeah, you can go ahead. Were you ever embarrassed or at any point in the last um, I was, you know what, I was, oh, from the day I met Tommy, I was always intrigued because I was kind of like the first fan, you could say, like the first one who was intrigued, who got him, you know? Um, and so I was always interested, when I got to know him, there's a very, like, sincere side to him um, that's sweet and, and relatable, but most people don't see that. So it was always intriguing to watch people respond to him. And so when the film came out, I was like, you know, probably nobody's going to ever see this. But if they do, what the hell are they going to think? So it was almost like this social experiment. Now, I, I didn't really put much into the film. I didn't expect anything from it. I didn't go out there and really try to give a great performance, as you guys can probably tell. But um, so I didn't really have anything to lose from it. You know, I didn't put a ton of money up. I didn't put a lot of hope. So everything that's come from it has been just kind of like this strange gift. And I, um, I got, you know, I got the joke, you know, I'm kind of like, I get it. I'm with you guys, like, this thing sucks, right? But, so, um, yeah, no, I always just kind of took it for what it was. And, you know, my girlfriends I've had, yeah, they've been embarrassed. No, actually, I've never shown it. Um, I'd never showed it to a girlfriend. No kidding. <laughs> and I made sure, don't watch it. Um, but yeah, no, I've, I've kind of accepted it, so it's hmm. all good. There's a couple of people at the back there I just want to get because I haven't referred to it. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, hi, great. Thanks a million for sharing your story in the book. You mentioned the, um, the sincerity and the frustration that you felt not really from the cross, and it makes the book a really three dimensional kind of experience. And I don't know, it's completely changed the movie for me and my friends. It's gone down a very dark path, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I have a very hypothetical question, which is that. If you or Tommy happen to hear that a group of musicians who got together and spent two years making a uh, high progressive rock opera concept album based on your story, that's <laughs> Tommy's story, how would that make you feel? Um. <laughs> you know, I. Just, I think anytime you put your story out there and it inspires other people, I think that at the end of the day is the biggest reward. So I would feel um, feel pretty incredible. Do you, do you have something to add to that? <laughs> Just so happy. Maybe later, yeah. Sure, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Man in the t shirt. <laughs> I've met the nostalgic critic. He's a great guy. I did it, I even did an interview and stuff with him. Um, I think initially Tommy just didn't like the, how much of the film he used. He didn't really get the review. 
and I think the nostalgia critic actually enjoyed the film, was trying to spread it. And then there was a recent thing where it got taken down, but Tommy said it was an accident. <laughs> uh, it was like, did he just wake up on the wrong side of the bed and start deleting videos? And so Tommy said, I didn't do anything, it was an accident. So I don't know, but the nostalgia critic, um, yeah, I mean, I think his video did a lot for the film. I think a lot of people brought a lot of awareness. So, um, but I, the video got put back up, so I think it's all good. And and just personal question again: Do you think the movie has uh, gone into profit? You know, that's what's interesting is I don't feel like Tommy made the room to make money mm -hmm. because, you know, when it was making like fifty dollars a month or whatever. He had a billboard up that was like six thousand, and he was, yeah. making, he was making merchandise for years and DVDs, and now there's belts, and I mean, he gave me a bunch of T-shirts, uh, which so, are, which are, which have a misquote of his own film on the merchandise. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he keeps pouring more and more money. He makes he made an underwear line and jackets. So uh, I you can get you can get underwear to do with the room. Tommy Wiseau underwear. <laughs> so it just keeps going and I think it's just this passion where it's not about money it's just about um, expressing all these different ventures so. right. like as he would say we have platform <laughs> uh, I'll just take one more in the back yeah man with the gentleman with the hand up oh, um... oh, oh right yeah. <laughs> love the movie love the movie but was there ever a time when you were you know what I did that when I read the script <laughs> I thought it was just the most unreal thing I'd ever I'd ever read and he was sitting across from me watching me read it <laughs> to make sure I finished it and see my reaction um, and therefore I knew I wasn't going to be in the film and so I just helped him make it, or helped him get the film ready. And the night before filming, he looks at me and says, you have to do the room. If you do not do it, it will be biggest mistake of your life. <laughs> and so there was already another guy playing Mark. And he looks at me and says, don't worry. You don't need to show your ass. <laughs> and he just kept convincing me. And it just kept going. And so he, I kind of got backed into it the night before filming, and that's where I ended up. So that's I had right. that reaction when I read the script. Um, but, but in a sense, Tommy was right. I mean, it is a gift that keeps giving. And he, he reminds me of that, you know. And, <laughs> and I always say, you know, thank you. So can we, can we give just Greg a round of applause? Yeah.